Welcome back to another episode of Built from the Inside Out. And today I have with me Crystal De Leon Sarmiento, executive coach, author, and speaker, and founder of The R Resource. So many things. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to spend some quality time with you and tell you more about who I am. Yeah, so tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. Yes. Um, what would you like to know? So like I said in my introduction, you do a lot of different things, and I'm sure you also have your personal life. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit about, let's start with the executive coaching, and then we'll go into the other things. Awesome. So um, the, the nitty-gritty, mm -hmm. as I like to call it, of what I do, um, my business, my actual paying job mm -hmm. is um, I own a company called The R Resource, and we focus on leadership development, okay. training, seminars, workshops. And um, one of the um, biggest services that I offer is in that um, leadership development, I work with executives, professionals, um, and help coach them. Okay. And so one of the things that I get asked is, how do you coach an executive? Well, you know, um, what does that mean, mm -hmm. right? Um, executive coaching simply means to coach um, from the outside, um, giving a different perspective and working hand-in-hand hand with a professional that needs to be able to, you know, maneuver their way through the corporate jungles. Okay. Right? And I think I saw one of your videos, you said you don't do consulting? No, we do consulting. You do consulting. We do okay. consult, but um, we don't act like consultants. Got it. For the most part. Okay. I don't come into a company and say, mm -hmm. This is the model that we have. This mm -hmm. is if you do this, this is what's going to work. Okay. Rather, what I do is I'll come to a business that needs some type of assistance, whether it's most recently um, a client needs help with their customer service, okay. um, how to work with them so that they're doing their job, you know, to the top performance that they can. Mm -hmm. um, we basically come in and we do a needs analysis. Okay. I'll see what the pitfalls are. What are some of the blind spots that they don't even see? Okay. Um, bring that information to the surface and then make okay. a recommendation. Okay. But I never come in to any entrepreneur, small business, corporation, or even with um, a life coaching client. I don't come mm -hmm. in and just say, you need to do this and never. Okay. But I do give recommendations. And then mm -hmm. through that process, we'll work together and figure out what's the best plan of action Okay. And then we implement it. Okay. It sounds a little like industrial psychology. Is that oh. basically what it is? Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, although I'm not a psychologist, mm -hmm. um, I do have access to a lot of tools okay. that we definitely use. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because a lot of the methods that are used with um, in the psychology realm mm -hmm. are actually used day-to-day -day with normal business professionals negotiating, Right. you know, de-escalating situations, mm -hmm. helping think things through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a psychology element to coaching. Okay. Yeah. But we have a little more freedom. Okay. And it's not to say that, so one of the things is that, uh, I, I'm going to be careful with the statement. 90% mm -hmm. of the professionals I work with have therapists. Okay. And I prefer it that way. Yeah. I do. Um, but they always come to a self-realization, right? This mm -hmm. therapy is. Yeah. That, now what? And um, so the difference 
between coaching mm-hmm. and therapy is that when we are coaching, you're having a fluid conversation. It's not just an echo mm-hmm. of yourself. It's okay. it's a full-on conversation and it's accountability, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes my clients get upset because they're really? like, you're so nice and now you're getting after me. And I'm like, well, that's a coach, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I got to make you feel uncomfortable all while encouraging you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually have a master's in industrial psychology, but fantastic. I don't use it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> just I always found some other stuff to do. Yeah. But um, I'm very interested in this kind of work you do. And me being an introvert, I actually would love to attend one of your seminars. I would love to have you. Yeah, I love learning. Me too. Yeah. Kind of a extroverted nerd. <laughs> and yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm the introvert. So you don't seem like that. I am. Yeah. You look at your Instagram and you look so like confident in all your pictures, and you're definitely confident, but outgoing and just. Really? It's, it's interesting though because a lot yeah. of people, you see that side of them on social mm-hmm. media, and then we create an image or an idea of what we think they're like. Yeah. And then it's not till you spend quality time with them where you're like, oh, wow, they're completely different than, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I get told that a lot. They're like, oh, you're not what I expected. <laughs> you're like, well. Fine. Yeah, not, not always in a bad way. But, you know, it's yeah. not. I guess they had that picture of me from my social media and I'm like a completely different person. Yeah. But, yeah. So you're. So why do you consider yourself an introvert? I, I just, like when I'm around people, like I. It can only be for so long. And then I'm like, I get enjentada. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I need my space. <laughs> and I would always rather be at home than out. But because I own a business, I know I need to learn how to network. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm taking your seminar. <laughs> I'm like, I got something Yes, for yes. I'm going to be know, there. <laughs> thank you. So yeah. it's interesting, since we're on that topic, mm-hmm. um, part of what I do at the Ari Source is mm-hmm. find ways to help um, bring tangible empowerment okay. to women and men, to people, mm-hmm. professionals, and or individuals. Um, being in business for over 22 years, I've been part of countless networking, functions, events, conferences, um, having to walk into a boardroom with very high-profile people mm-hmm. and command the room and be able to deliver um, a quote, a presentation, and not budge. Um, those are skills that come with time. Okay. A lot of people say that um, connecting is a gift. Mm. And that's one of the fallacies that I discuss a lot when I am working with corporations because they'll say we're communicating or we're not communicating. And the truth is, is that everybody's communicating. We're constantly communicating. Mm-hmm. What it boils down to is what are we communicating and are we really connecting? Yeah. The connecting part is the mm-hmm. part that's lacking. It's a part that we're failing at as a society, mm-hmm. that we're failing at as professionals, and it is um, a beginning to become a bigger failure in our homes. The connection with our spouses, with our families, with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Because of social, excuse me, because of social media, because of the thousand thousands of modalities that are constantly trying to steal our attention away. Mm-hmm. We are forgetting the art of connecting. Yeah. And because of that, when I work with professionals and even just, you know, the inside office, Mm -hmm. 
the biggest complaint is we're disconnected. There's we're not communicating. Mm. We're not connecting. We're not understanding each other. They're dropping the ball. The team is lacking that unity. Yeah. And so because of that, um, I've learned when I go to networking events, I see everybody likes to hang out in their cliques, mm. the people they're comfortable with. Yeah. But that's not what networking event is for. It's not a party. Yeah. It's not just hanging out. It's not looking cute. If you're in business and you're an entrepreneur, then you need to know how to maximize that time and maximize the connections. Right. You know, they say your net worth is your network. Yeah. You heard that before? I have, yeah. I yeah. think I heard it in one of your videos. Really? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Probably so. Yeah. But I think that it's super, it's uber imperative mm-hmm. that for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to learn how to increase that skill. Right. Um, when I work with professionals, I work with, I, specifically, I'll be real specific, I work with the team of software developers internationally. Okay. So a, a, a computer science person mm-hmm. is very data analytically right. driven. Their brains work different. Mm-hmm. They're not about to walk into a room and crack a joke. Yeah. That's not them. Yeah. But we also see that they have to lead teams. Mm-hmm. Their employees, their, their subordinates, and they have to be leaders, not just managers. And just because you're highly intelligent in that regard, doesn't mean that you have mastered the skill of connecting to your own team. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, I started to identify, we need to really work on that. Yeah. And, and in my research and in the books that I read and the curriculums that I put together, um, my favorite is, um, John Maxwell, who's my mentor, personal mentor. Okay. He says, connecting is a skill. It can I've heard be learned. really good things about him. Oh, yeah. He's not. He's only the number one leadership guru in the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sold 150 million books on leadership. Oh, wow. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay. Um, but when he says that, it makes you think, I can learn? And so I put mm-hmm. that specific research to the test. And working with these executives, you, I mean, we see these massive changes yeah. from how do I walk into a room and not get nervous, and not get sweaty hands, and not revert to the people I'm comfortable with, push past that mm-hmm. mental block, be courageous, yeah, and say hi to somebody. Yeah. What do I say? How do I say it? What if they reject me? This isn't dating. This is networking. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it has to do with the, our perspectives of what are we even there for? Yeah. Talking about networking, we met at a, the Dan Crenshaw <laughs> party. We did. That was so fun. Yeah. So we met through Ivory. Yeah. And Jenny, I had, a friend had tried to connect us before, but we had never actually met. Really? So that was my first time actually meeting her in person. Yeah. So now I had both of you on the podcast. I guess you can <laughs> say I'm learning to network. <laughs> I'm proud of you for that. Yeah. And you should be proud of yourself. Yeah. I was, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, I don't want to leave here and not you know not get that picture with dan not like meet new people like i don't want to just like you said just come to a party like i understand it's a party i'm like but the people here i'm like i can network with them absolutely yeah absolutely and one of the things that i feel um is lacking is that that when we go to networking events Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same people go to these networking events. So it, it is natural. It's normal to want to click with somebody. And mm-hmm. Go to your comfort zone. Hey, I already know you. Yeah. Well, that's how I was with Ivory. But I'm glad I did because she was with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were with her. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love Ivory. Um, yeah. But one of the things is if you're going to go somewhere and you know that. So here's one of the tips that I talk about. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to a networking event, do some homework. Who's going to be there? Okay. Is it worth going just because it's an event doesn't mean it's always beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you end up in a situation where you go to a networking event and there's people there mm-hmm. that don't serve you, you can't do business with, don't lose out on the opportunity to possibly form a friendship mm-hmm. or meet somebody because you can end up being a bridge. Maybe they won't work out for you today. But you can say, oh, you, I, I have someone I know that. Yeah, and I or, connect you. Yeah. And there's so much reward in connecting with people mm-hmm. with just the very fact of how can I help you? Yeah. Hey, I know somebody. Let me connect you. Yeah. I did that last night at the HTX Millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one friend on this side. She's, is, her name's Lucy Woe, Wolash. I okay. love her. Mm-hmm. And she's on my left. And another um, colleague that I just met a while back, she owns a clothing line. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her on my left and talking to her on my right. I'm like, wait, <laughs> you two need to meet. <laughs> so I connected them. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I love to do is just connect people. I, I awesome. really, I say it in my video, mm-hmm. want to be a distribution center. I'm going to be taken care of. I'm going to make the money. I'm going to, my business is going to succeed. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, if there's an event and it doesn't serve me, I have no problem making connections because I might know somebody that I can right. send your way or vice versa. Yeah. You know? I think that's awesome. It is. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. But like I was telling you that I'm an introvert and how I know. Like at that party yeah. when I saw, I ran into, I don't know, Marisol, you know her? Yeah. Well, when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, someone I know. Ah! <laughs> comfort. You felt yeah. a sense of comfort. Yeah. And I stuck with her and I stuck with you guys. And yeah. then my cousin, he's more of an extrovert. And next thing I know, we lost him. We don't know where he's at. And he's also there making, he made a new friend. And I'm like, okay, this is what network events are for. So I'm glad he got to do that, you know? I mean, we all got to do that. But I'm like, I'm glad he was able to, like, venture out and. And go have fun. And, yeah, go meet make other friends. people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. interesting because does it always have to be a networking event? No. It yeah. doesn't even have to be labeled that. Yeah. It could be labeled, I don't know, a welcome party, a bash, whatever. It, yeah. it networking is what you make out of it, mm-hmm. right? You went mm-hmm. to Dan Crenshaw's Fourth of July party. Bash. That was yeah. a big bash. That yeah. wasn't even a party. I think that was like a monstrosity of an yeah. event. Yeah. Um, but you make you decide when you're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with the time that I'm here? What am I going to do with the investment mm-hmm. that I paid to come here? Mm-hmm. Some of these gala functions, yeah, mm-hmm. they're for a good cause. Yeah. But they cost money. They're not cheap. Yeah. So if you go to an event, whether you're there to network and you paid for it and you don't walk out with at least one connection, I look yeah. at it as not just wasted time, but wasted money. And as mm-hmm. business owners, we don't have the luxury of just letting dollars mm-hmm. fly out, you know? Yeah, I agree. But um, to your point, you saw Marisol, yeah. and you I saw instantly you were like, hey, and yeah. that spark, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was really neat to see mm-hmm. that because it is when we see familiar faces that we mm-hmm. feel comforted. Yeah. And we feel like, okay, I've got my crew. 
I can meet one new person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How do you push past that comfort zone? You just have to make yourself. Yeah. I feel like. Because I was even... So growing up, I had like very low self-esteem, very shy. And then when I started doing pageantry, Natalia, at, you yeah. might have, you know her, right? Yeah, my daughter's yeah. Um, Miss Texas Latina Mambo. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I went through that. And then you Natalia, did. she uh, pushed me. You know, she helped me so much. So we would go to networking events and she was like, you just have to do it. She was like, don't, like, don't worry about what they're going to think about you. Just, you know, we're here, have fun, smile, talk to people. And I'm like, okay. So it's interesting you said that because um, Natalia is a champion mm-hmm. to push women yes. out of their comfort zones yes. with the intent of you building and growing. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Look at you now doing podcasts and interviewing people. I know. Getting out of your comfort zone, <laughs> right? Yes. But she's amazing, and I love people like that that look and see the potential in you. So that mm-hmm. is a quality of a great leader. Yes. A good leader identifies leadership qualities in others before they even identify themselves sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't even see it in yourself. Yeah. But a good leader will say that person there has potential to be developed mm-hmm. and to bring that leadership skill to the surface. Mm-hmm. And when you have a person like Natalia that her pure Heart and joy is to help empower people by providing confidence and getting them out of their comfort zone. I mean, that's golden. Yeah. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah. I'm like, you're not getting rid of me. I'm like, you're going to be in my life forever. (laughs) I love her. She's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So how did you start all of this? Because behind every great story, behind every great success story, there's always something that you went through, something that pushed you to become who you are. What's your story? I have a book. <laughs> and I, yes, we're waiting for it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, they're printing it, and it should be in our hands in a few weeks. And so you'll exciting. have yours because I saw you pre-ordered. So yes, yes, yes. I'm not dropping an ad, am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're going to talk about it, yes. <laughs> no, but um, you're right. You're very right. Behind every success is a story. Yeah. Sometimes a good one, sometimes a bad one, sometimes both. Mine is a good one. Good. Disguised with the pain of suffering behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, how I got here to where I am today has been a journey, mm-hmm. has been a long process, um, but it has been out of sheer desire to be resilient, and also my faith in God, 100%. I will never deny that. Um, I know it's not the politically correct or the sexy thing to say nowadays. Um, but that's real. Mm-hmm. That's, I agree. That's the heaviness yeah. that we, life, will push you to at one point or another. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not here to tell people who or what they should believe in. But I am here to be a sounding board for where I am today and what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And if that can inspire someone to de- to dig deeper into their own faith, then I did my job. But my journey, I've let's put it like this. I'm on multiple journeys. Okay. I'm on the entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. I'm on the executive journey. I'm on the mom journey, the wife journey, the 
the stepmom journey, the mother-in-law journey. I mean, girl, we can count all the journeys. That yeah. Mom. And um, in writing my book, um, I did a lot of self-discovery. Um, I cried a lot. It took me. It took me a lot of um, mental discipline. Okay. To have to relive the stuff that I was writing. Yeah. And to formulate it with words that would capture. And that would deliver the actual feeling of what I went through to relive mm. that, but also be able to transfer it over to the person reading. Yeah. Um, so reliving that taught me to really look deep into, are my beliefs real? Is this, is what I've been saying for the last 22 years still carry weight today? And I found out that it carries more weight, heavier weight. Because the more experiences we go through in life, the pain, the suffering, the trauma, the overcoming, the resilience, the more we go through that, the more we see, the heavier it is, that reality of like, wow, I overcame. It's more real. Yeah. It's more real. And... um a little bit about me. I, I know you and I have talked a little bit about it, but your listeners may or may not know. Um, I give a lot of credit to my dad and my mom, both, and my stepmom, period, all three of them. Um, but in the initial growing up of my life, the, the early stages, um, my parents went through a brutal divorce. Mm. And um, without giving too much details, uh, my dad ended up a single father okay. of me. And he's Mexican from a town called Sabinas Hidalgo, Nuevo León, close to Monterrey. And um, that word just follows you around, doesn't it? León. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you picked up on it. Yeah. yeah. So um, he he became a single dad. And I grew up basically without a mom in my everyday life. And most people today are like, oh, single mothers is a huge commonality. It's so common. Yeah. But a single dad who's an immigrant, yeah. who's Mexican, of a little girl is different. Yeah. Right? And it's hard. But for me growing up, I never, I literally didn't know that there was something missing. Because that's all you knew. That's what I knew. Yeah. I didn't care. Life was good. My dad never made me feel like a victim. He never used words like, porque no tenemos, porque no hay, mm. porque nos falta, porque se fue, porque me dejaron. Mm. Never did he use those words. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And, and now, looking back as an adult, when I look back and I'm like, where does my resilience come from? Because I get asked, like, how did you go through? I'm like, you know, I don't know. Let me do some, <laughs> some inner work here. Yeah. But as a mom, as I'm, as I'm raising my girls, my now married daughter and my kids and this generation, I look at us and I'm like, we give too much power to victim mentalities. We, we, it's okay. And this is not everybody's cup of tea. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm the same way. And a lot of people are yeah. not going to agree with what I say, mm -hmm. and that's okay. These are my opinions, and this is how I how I live my life, and this is how I've become successful. Yeah. 
I believe that it's okay to acknowledge pain. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to cry when you fall. Yeah. Get back up. Yeah. Stop nursing the wound. Mm -hmm. Stop. Your skin, it's like when you cut yourself, you slice yourself open. Your body immediately goes to work on closing that wound up and healing. Yeah. But our brains, oh, I have a cut. <laughs> Let me pull the scab. Yeah. Don't let it heal yet. Let me pull the scab. Mm -hmm. And then why? Because we want someone to come comfort us. Mm -hmm. And we want someone to, oh, you got a cut. Poor thing. Let me label you. Yeah. You got a cut on your hand. Okay, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. But if I keep telling myself that I'm a victim, I'm a domestic abuse survivor, yeah, I'm a survivor. I am. But I feel like it starts in our mind and in the decision and how we label it. Labeling it. So what? I went through it, but I overcame. But I'm not a victim. Yeah. It all starts in our mind and that victim mentality. So I started to do some work inside, and I'm like, Number one, I'm really tough with my kids. So, and I'll be, I'm going to expose myself here. <laughs> my daughters will say, gosh, you love everybody. You got all this great energy with your friends, but you're so mean to us. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry because I care. Yeah. So, you know, as Latina moms, we don't play. Mm -hmm. Chancla, sartenes, <laughs> de lo que sea. <laughs> I don't have kids, but I feel like that's how I'm going to be too. You know, love. I was raised on tough love. And me too. I was never allowed to be a victim either. And yeah, you can't, you can't let, you can't let that mentality. You can't have that mentality if you want to be something or become someone or yeah. achieve whatever goal you have. It's like a crutch. It's like mm -hmm. a crutch. We choose, we choose to keep the crutch because it serves us. Yeah. I like my crutch. Do you, I want to be free. Do you really? Do you really? Yeah. I'm done with this toxic relationship. Are you? Mm. Or are you just like complaining about it? Yeah. Do you like hearing yourself complain about that toxic relationship? Do you like creating chaos in that relationship so that you have something to fight for to stay in survival mode? Mm -hmm. That's how life is. Yeah. Nail it. Call it what it is. Yeah. Be done with it. Or like I've noticed a lot of minorities, they're like, oh, it's because of racism. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's a very touchy oh my god i get in trouble <laughs> i do guys like i say things sometimes i don't have a filter and and it's not that i want to say things to hurt i'm just yeah. literally like dumb sometimes sometimes i just don't realize you're just blunt is that what I'm, it is i'm honest i'm definitely blunt okay. and i am honest i can't fake a smile Mm -hmm. I can't fake a feeling. If you call me and I'm excited, mm -hmm. that's because I really am excited. Yeah. But ask my friends when I when I when I feel off, you can tell like I'm off, and you're yeah. like, "Ooh, that's not her." I saw yesterday. No, because I'm going through something, and I'm very real, and I'm mm -hmm. very connected with my emotions. Yeah. And I wear them on my sleeve. Now, to answer your question about that, um, <sighs> I grew up in the southwest side of Houston. Mm -hmm. And in the 80s and the 90s, it was a melting pot for diversity. And when I say melting pot, I mean, literally, I, w I should show you guys my class photo. We had Indians, 
Mexicans, Salvadoranians, um, blacks, whites, Asians, Vietnamese. When I was little, my best friend was Asian. Landly, I miss her. She moved. I was so mad. Her dad <laughs> owned Sunny's on Hillcroft. And um, my other best friends were my cousins. Mm. I default. All the De Leons, y'all. <laughs> they, they know us from Fairmont. And then in my classroom, because I was always in the accelerated class, which we back then called Sites or Pre-IB, um, that was a melting pot because the Asians and all the other cultures were in there mm -hmm. and the white kids, very few Latinos. Why? I don't know. But I didn't understand what racism was. I'm being very honest. And I empathize. I try to empathize with people that when they tell you, um, well, because you don't walk in my shoes, you're right. I, I don't, but I also don't know what it's like to be racist. Mm. I, I don't know that feeling. And yeah. it... The reality is, is that I literally grew up with every culture and I loved it. And yeah. to me, and that that's a crutch. I will, I will honestly say that it, no, it's not a crutch. Let me, let me retract that. It can be a crutch when you only see it that way and you don't open up your mind to say, but let me try to understand mm. you. And so I didn't really truly understand what racism was until I was an adult and I started seeing movies that portrayed it. I didn't know. Movies are really what exposed me to the world out there. So movies are powerful because they can educate or they can indoctrinate. Yeah. Both. They can yeah. either educate or indoctrinate. So you got to be careful what we're mm -hmm. watching. I agree. And even in church, when people are preaching, mm -hmm. girl, yo no me lo como todo. <laughs> Where, where's that in the Bible? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Who said that? Are you sure? <laughs> is that how it's interpreted? Don't just eat everything they give yeah. at you. Question it. Why? Yeah. yeah. Well, why? Yeah. I, I annoy some people because I ask why a lot. I'm like, but why? But it's because That's I want to understand. Thing. Yeah. So, racism. It's very real. Mm-hmm. But it's not only in our country. It's all over the world. Yeah. The problem is, is that we like to use it as a crutch exactly. so that we can manipulate people mm -hmm. so that we can trigger their emotions yep. and then serve them a solution and then dominate them mm -hmm. to get us into power. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Both sides. I'm not here to say que los de left y que los de right, los dos están mal. Yeah, yeah I agree. Tan, tan los dos mal. Yeah. In English, that means they're all both wrong. <laughs> and why do I say that? And this isn't to call out my Republican friends or my Democrat friends. I have both. Mm -hmm. When people ask me, so you're a Republican. I saw you at Don, Dan Crenshaw's thing. I'm a child of God. <laughs> yeah. Th that, those are my values. I'm a child of God. I feel like right now they're trying to put the two against, against each other, Republicans and Democrats. Right now, girl, they've been doing it for... Well, Ever. I feel like even more. more now. Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't be like that. It should be like humanity against whatever the heck's going on right now. Humanity. Yeah. So um, if I can, I know we're diverting off topic and now we're going into this situation, but this is good. So Jenny, mm -hmm. Jenny on the go. <laughs> she's awesome. She had a gala. I know she talked about it on your podcast, Emerge, yeah. Refugee Day to raise money for refugees for the United Nations. Fantastic organization, fantastic cause. Mm -hmm. Jenny is very well connected to both sides. 
yeah. Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. And um, I had the great fortune of meeting one of her keynote speakers. His name's Michael. He's a common commentary on CNN, and he has a book. Okay. So I network, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a book, and so we have common ground there. So we started talking about that, and we had lunch. Mm-hmm. And this is not to throw anybody under the bus. This is just to bring to light Mm -hmm. the state of mind that is being indoctrinated. Yeah. Okay. So we're at lunch and we're talking. And he mentions to me that at the gala, he was at a table with some people that actually worked on the Trump campaign. Okay. Those are his words. Mm -hmm. And I said, so? Big deal. How did you feel? Yeah. Well, I didn't think they would accept me. I didn't think this. I didn't think <laughs> that. Right? He had his notions of what it would be like to sit at a table with a mm-hmm. Trump campaigner who worked on the <laughs> campaign. O sea, más rojo, yeah. no te lo puedo pintar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I questioned that. And I said, so how did it feel to, to have a seat at a table with someone different than you? Did they make you feel bad? Or did they welcome you? What if you didn't know their political side and you just sit at a table and you see a human in front of you? Mm-hmm. What if we can get past the things we disagree on, but what do we agree on? Why don't we start there? Yeah. Here's where we agree. I, I agree that life is sacred. It's in my book. Mm-hmm. I was a teen mom. I believe life is sacred. And this isn't every pastor's cup of tea either I have strong opinions because when I became a mom I was like I'm pro-life I'm pro-life I am pro-life and I will say that till I'm blue in the face but I've had to seriously question myself if my daughter was raped and she wanted an abortion what would I do Hmm. Now, raped by a friend is one thing, but raped by a stranger, a drug addict, or a criminal? What's the difference, though? I mean, it's still a traumatic experience. Exactly. She's already traumatized from that. Um, That's a heavy choice that I don't know that I'll ever want to have to make. Yeah. It's a hard topic. People don't like to talk about it. Yeah. So in that aspect, I'm 100% pro-life. But in a situation like that, you know you were raped. You'll know in two to three weeks if you're pregnant. You will know. Science now can tell so fast. Mm -hmm. I think that you should be able to make, you know whether you were raped or not. Now, there is the battle in some, some women's minds like, but I feel guilty aborting, so maybe I won't. And then time goes on, and now they're 10 weeks pregnant. And then they're like, no, maybe I should abort because life's going to be hard. And then they decide they want to. Then they go to a care net clinic, which I support fully. I'm bold about it. I don't mind. They show you a heartbeat. And something changes inside. Oh, no, no, I can't go through with it. Now you're at three months. And then you feel the baby move. And it's getting real. And you're like, oh, my God, there's a child inside of me but I was raped. That's heavy. I would never want to put myself in those shoes of a woman who was raped. 
yeah. and had to make that decision. But I also believe that in a situation like that, you should be allowed to make that choice. I believe that. Whatever that looks like, whatever friends don't like it, whatever friends like it, you have what you believe. Believe yeah. it. That's what I believe. And I ask that you respect my opinions because I respect yours. Yeah. I'm not indoctrinating you in my beliefs. These are my beliefs. Yeah. Now, when it comes to people forcing aside, I believe nowadays that we should we should initiate the, hey, sit at my table. You yeah. look different than me. You look like you're having a hard day. It looks like you vote different than I do. Let's have, let's have a seat at the table with people different than us. That's yeah. the problem with our government. That the division serves them. Mm-hmm. It serves them because, oh, yeah. I agree with my Democrat counterpart. They're not going to nominate me. They're not mm-hmm. going to want me because I'm not. So yesterday I was at a networking event. And I was approached by somebody running for office. And he came up to me and he stated his name. And I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. He did, I'm not going to say who he is or what mm-hmm. he said. But in other words, that's how he introduced himself to mm-hmm. me. I'm a Republican. My name is this. I'm a Democrat. My name is this and I'm running for judge. And I thought, why do you think I need to know what side you're running for? Don't you think that if I was already the opposing side, I would have already blocked you off? Mm. Why don't you come talk to me and say, what's important to you? Who cares what side I'm on? This is what I believe. I'm running to, I was a prosecutor for this many years. Wouldn't you agree that felons need to pay time? Wouldn't you agree that murderers need to pay the price? Wouldn't you agree? Maybe that kind of conversation Mm -hmm. will help people really connect. Yeah. And stop the division. Because let me tell you, he doesn't, he didn't know me. Mm. He doesn't know my thought process, but I'll tell you what, I I don't want to vote for him. I don't care what side he's on. Mm. Why? Because of his mentality. If you are already campaigning off that mentality, that means you don't even care about what the people care about. It's for show. Yeah. It's for power. And that's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad that we've gotten here. Yeah. Uh, you reminded me of uh, Rob, this fitness guy that we follow. And he was talking about how he got into it with one of his followers. I, and he was like, call me. He was like, call me right now. Uh, <laughs> call me. Let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And she called him. And they ha- she, he was like, we talked. And it turns out that we agree on like 93% of the things. He was like, but because, because they pushed the vision so much, he was like, we were like hating each other. We were arguing. But in reality, he's like, we agree on like 90, 93% of the things. 100%. Yeah. So it's interesting to me because I won't say the names, mm-hmm. you know, just for protection. But a good friend of mine is also very involved politically. She's a minority. She's approached by someone that tells her, you can't be hanging out with the, with the other side. Excuse me? I can't. Why not? Because you're a minority. Well, that's racist. How does that, that number one, that's racist. Yeah. If I vote for you because you're Hispanic, I'm being racist. Mm-hmm. If I vote for you because you're black, 
I'm being racist. Mm -hmm. If I vote for you or don't vote for you because of the color of your skin, being white, purple, black, green, yellow, zebra, whatever you identify Mm -hmm. as, I'm being racist. Mm -hmm. And so we have to call a spade a spade. That is the epitome of division. Yeah. I'll give you another example. Who knew we were going to talk about politics? I know. We're talking about being a light ass. (laughs) That's just not in the plan, but we'll go back to talking about that. Okay. So this was about two years ago, a year ago, when the whole 2020 elections were happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at a nutrition shop in my small town, and um, I was approached by a lady. And she said, hey, I'm running for whatever position. I said, okay. I said, why are you running? She said, because in our county for the last 60 years, it's been run by white men who are all this, who are all that, and it's time we do this. And I literally sat there and I was like, interesting. And what do you stand for? (laughs) So then I asked her. Yeah. I said, so, okay. That's your passion. Can you tell me why you're running? She said, because it's only been run by white people. And I said, you live in this county. You moved here for a reason. So my question again is, why are you running? Mm Mm-hmm. What are the policies that you want to change? She couldn't give me one. I'm not lying to you. I believe it. Yeah. So I said, okay. I said, here's the deal. I would love to vote for you if you would have sat me down and said, look, I'd like to see the schools enrich people's lives. I'd like to see this division close. I'd like to see empowerment in a tangible way. I'd like to see this. I'd like to see sidewalks. I'd like to see dot, 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 dot. And I believe that I can do that. But instead, she was running off hate mm-hmm. and anger. And it made me sad. Yeah. That's, that's where we are. Yeah. You do not need to run if you're not going to bring solutions. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because a few of my friends are like, you need to run for city council. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm going to make a lot of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm very opinionated. But I think we need more people. We need are, strong people like that, though. We just need people that are not bullied into picking a side. Mm-hmm. Or so insecure that they need to pick a side. Yeah. Here's the deal. I believe... Majority of my conservative beliefs are founded in my faith, and so are 95% of Latinos Yeah, and ethnic cultures. You know, I didn't know a lot about politics before the whole George Floyd thing. I didn't even know there was a blue and red side. Really? And I started, when that happened, when corona hit and we were at home and the whole George Floyd thing happened, I started doing research. I was like going on i'm like let me find out what's going good on good for you yeah good for you and then when i realized what each side stands for i was like so why are mexicans so mad about people voting conservative i'm like what what is happening well, so it doesn't line up yeah yeah and they were so mad at me and you know my okay. followers and i'm like what i'm mexican like 
I have conservative values and morals and you 100%. probably were raised on them too. Like, why are you mad at me? A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's just, it's this um, ideology and it's this agenda mm-hmm. that you have to conform. Yeah. That you came here as a minority, therefore you don't have power. Let me tell you, that mentality is a, is a victim mentality. It is. Oh. Here's the thing. You get to this country, mm-hmm. you already won. You're not a victim. Yeah. You're a conqueror. Yeah. However you got here. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Legally, legal. That right there tells me that you have power. Yep. Now let's get past the government funding and the money keeping people poor because there is, I don't want to comment to something I don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. I listen to both sides. And we should. And we should. Because to make an educated decision, you have to listen to both sides. So the way our brain works is your your subconscious mind will side with whatever's most impressionable in that moment. Mm. So whoever makes the best argument that relates to you. And it's a tactic. Mm -hmm. It's, excuse my language, it's bullshit Mm -hmm. tactics from politicians on all sides because they get trained. This is how you connect to people. You tell a story. You try to identify with them. Okay, Hillary Clinton, you can identify with being cheated on, Mm. being a woman in public office, but you don't know what it's like to go hungry. You don't know what it's like to suffer in those ways. You have suffered in other ways. You don't know what it's like to suffer like other people. And what irritates me is that the politicians use a form of psychology, mm-hmm. of cy- psycho-cybernetics that has been tested and proven by the CIA from the 20s, I think. I don't, don't, get, don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. That the impressionable mind, you get to it, you connect, you build common ground, you try to get to them to an emotion. If you can get somebody emotional, it's the number one tactic in yeah. negotiating. Yeah. If I get you to get emotional, ya gané. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson? I do. And that's what they say, too. Both. Like, Ben Shapiro says, whenever he's going to go argue against someone or, you know, debate someone, he's like, I study them, I watch what their tactic is, and that's where I hit them for And the buttons, that's what you do. Because when you can hit somebody's buttons, they're more impressionable. Mm -hmm. Now you have power over them. Yeah. Because they're they're out of sorts. They don't know how to act. Oh, my God, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. It's all because there's psychology behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all meant to make you mad. Yeah. Here's what makes me mad. Obama. Not all of his policies. Not all of his policies. I think that there's studies that show that when he came into office, we be, that began the division. And I don't know that if it's because people didn't want a black, half black, half white president to be in office, I think it's more of the fact that he ran based on his skin as the first black man, Mm -hmm. which I think is phenomenal. Phenomenal for our country. But at the same time, what he did is the epitome of politicians. Mm -hmm. He had the audacity to go on Telemundo, Univision, donate big money to sway what they put on TV, mm-hmm. then have the audacity on stage to say, si se puede. <laughs> At least say, si se puede. At least. Yeah. And then, cuando si se pudo, 
don't deport everybody. This fool. And so many people don't know that he did that. No, no, no. Google it right now. Mm-hmm. Put this on pause. Go Google it. Not only did he deport a lot of people, he deported the most people mm-hmm. of any president combined. O sea, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. So when you look at it like that, you're like, what are we eating? Yeah, and a lot of people, all they do is watch Univision or Telemundo, so they think he's the greatest, and they don't even realize, like, everything he did. They don't know because no, he paid. Exactly. Yeah. It's so sad. It's very sad. But it, yeah. but here's the thing. It happens on both sides. True. Yeah. And don't don't quote me on this. Maybe we can Google it. Mm-hmm. But I remember somebody saying that the whole, the 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 DACA, the Dreamers Act, mm-hmm. Rick Perry, our former governor of Texas, Republican governor is the one that championed, that started here. It may be a form of DACA. I don't know. I'm sure I'll get emails and whatever. <laughs> but I believe he was after that. I'm for that. Mm-hmm. My Republican friends aren't going to like that. But wh- why? Why? You're already here. Put them to use. Yeah. Make them taxpayers. Yeah. You're here. You want to serve? You want to go to school? Dale gas. Mm-hmm. Ya estás aquí. Yeah. But I don't think it should be an open border either. Yeah. Because then the cartel takes advantage of it. Oh, girl, we can't even go into the cartels. I'm not talking about that. That's we, we scary. We can talk today <laughs> about this. <laughs> I have other opinions yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. The but, minute I go into Mexico, yeah. I feel unsafe. I, I can't carry my gun on me. Yeah. My Glock. I carry a Glock, mm-hmm. right? My husband, the big one. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a lot of things that go into, into politics with gun safety and things like that. But anyway, I just feel like... To sum that whole politic thing up, I think, in a nutshell, my personal message Mm -hmm. that just kind of developed after having that conversation with Michael, who's now a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. is have a seat at a table. You know how they say, girl, you don't have a seat at my table. You know, I don't like you or you offended me. You'll never have a seat at my table. Mm -hmm. Have somebody at the table that's different than you. Yeah. Let's start where what we agree on. Yeah. Let's do that as a society. Let's let's stop all the division. Verdad? Mm-hmm. I agree. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, of course. I think most people would agree. I think so, too. I think it's in our nature to want to get along. Yeah. But going back yeah. to you, <laughs> I don't know how we went on that ramp, but I think it's because I've been reading a lot, and I'm just like, ah, this frustrates me Because so much. it's a hot topic right yeah. now. It's yeah. a hot topic. That's how we got there. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. We're just not yeah. publishing it. So, yeah. True. Yeah. Okay, so what? where does, um, so your book, Yeah. what is the title of it? Becoming a Lioness. And where does that come from? <sighs> Who doesn't want to be a lioness? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Becoming a lioness was my journey of discovering who I was, my identity, and the three questions that us women innately have. Some would disagree. Not every. Okay, not every. But the majority of women. No matter what country, religion, culture you're from, every three-year-old little girl puts on a dress and heels and twirls for her daddy and says, Bobby, do I look beautiful? Every single one. And if it's not a dress and it's 
dude clothes or whatever, <laughs> she's still going to look for that approval. Do I look okay? Mm. Right? Every little girl has that desire. Every woman wants to know, am I beautiful? Am I worthy of being loved unconditionally? Mm-hmm. And is there a grand adventure for my life? So I learned that um, from Pastor Craig Hill about 20 years ago in the seminar that I took called The Question. The unanswered question that us as women have. And that was the, dis- the very beginning of my self-discovery of who I am. The million-dollar question, why was I even born? Am I a mistake? What's my purpose? So many people have those unanswered mm-hmm. questions. And they deal with, oh, my mom and dad hooked up. That's why I was born. No. They hooked up because God had a plan and you were coming. Yeah. Okay. It may be ahead of time. It may have been behind. But none of us are mistakes. And I had to learn that. My parents were married um, when, you know, when they had me. But it's the self-discovery of who I am and what does being a lioness mean. And the identity issue. The identity question. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who am I? And that has been the question that we all are seeking validation to that we don't even know we're seeking. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the silent question in the back of our mind mm-hmm. is satisfying the identity question. Who am I? Why am I here? And do I have a purpose? So the lioness is the beginning of self-discovery, overcoming resilience, Um, As a teen mom, um, I started to question why. You know, so a little bit about my story was single dad. We knew that. We checked that box off. And then I was teaching abstinence classes Ah, in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I was teaching abstinence classes Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was a good Catholic girl. Uh, And I I really did. I really Mm -hmm. believed believed in purity and was super modest. I was a little boy crazy, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, you know. Um, but to me, that was a part of, of value, that once it's gone, it's gone. Your purity. Mm. Like sex. Mm-hmm. It's the most intimate thing you can do with somebody. Mm-hmm. And once you do it, there's no taking it back. That's okay. it. There's no, you cannot erase it and have a do-over. It's done. Yeah. And so... I was recruited by a nonprofit organization to teach abstinence classes and um, sex education awareness. And I was like, absolutely, I'll do it. And the $1,000 gift card to the mall <laughs> was, wasn't bad either. Yeah. Um, and um, I fell in love. You know, more details are in the book. But basically, I ended up a teen mom while I was teaching abstinence classes. Um, Catholic. And then there's a whole story about my dad accepting everything and me feeling like a failure and shameful, fully shame-based because I had dishonored my father um, and the legacy and, you know, being Latinos and Christians. Mm -hmm. And then um, my dad saying, te casas con la cabeza alta. Aquí te sales casada. Right? (laughs) right. Like, yes, daddy, I'm going to get married. I kind of want to. (laughs) But then they backtracked and my dad's like, no, 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 never mind. It's not the best thing to do. Y'all are young. Have the baby blah, blah, blah. So then we set a a date to get married later on. Mm -hmm. And he dies in a tragic car accident. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Thank (laughs) you, though. Um, My daughter was 10 months at the time. And um, that was the beginning of me, of my anger. 
of my rage towards God. Mm. But that was also the beginning of me finding out who he was and his love for me. Yeah. And his love for everybody. And that unconditional love of a, of a dad, of a daddy, a celestial father that will come and meet you in the midst of that pain. When you're on the floor and you're screaming and it feels like there's lava from a volcano erupting from inside. And you can't, you have no one who can relate. But then you cry out and you're raw and you're screaming and you're angry and you're toe-to-toe fighting with him. And he meets you there. That was the beginning of my discovery of, of my relationship with who I call Abba Padre, Daddy mm-hmm. God. Abba in Hebrew means daddy. And the Bible says that he wants us to look at him as our daddy. Mm-hmm. Papi. Quiere que le digamos papi. No papi chulo, okay? <laughs> Not daddy Yankee or, you know, that kind of papi. But yeah. papa, it is me papi. Yeah. And so I learned to rely on God and keep my head high and keep trucking along. And um, I found strength. I found courage. I found resilience. And the way my dad raised me was to never be a victim, be tough, mm-hmm. cry, but get back up. Yeah. And I did. And so the passion for me is to help other people in whatever way I can use my pain and my story, but also the discovery of God meeting me there mm-hmm. to help and empower other people, give them hope. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that. it's about. And so De Leon is my mm-hmm. maiden name. Mm-hmm. And so um, in my discovery of who I was, Um, I learned that um, Jesus was coming from, um, he's Jewish, obviously. Mm -hmm. He's a Jew, even though the Jews don't accept him. He's a Jew. (laughs) He's a living Jew. Um, He comes from one of the 13 tribes, the 13 tribes of Israel. Right. And um, he's from, él es el león de la tribu de Judá. He's the Uh lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. And Judah is also the tribe where the Messiah that the Jews are expecting to come from, the house of David. Okay. So I started this journey because as a kid, I always struggled with my name. Fun fact. <laughs> ah, fun trivia question. <laughs> so my mom is white. Okay. And my dad is Mexican. And most people think I look white because of my mom's side, but I don't because my dad's from Monterrey, so everybody's kind of like light-skinned yeah. and European-looking anyway, and the light-colored eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, um. So my name, Crystal, was the white side of me, and the De Leon was the Mexican side of me. okay. And I resented my name because my family would call me Cristal. And the only people that called me Crystal were, like, my annoying teachers (laughs) or my mom. And I had resentment towards her. A lot of resentment, which now I love her and I understand her. There's always a story mm. behind a story. Yeah. So um, there's grace and love for all and we do the best we can. But in that moment um, of discovering who I was and my name and what it meant, um, I attended a seminar mm-hmm. and I found that um, in ancient Hebrew culture, every name came with power 
and an identity attached to it. Mm -hmm. So that every time you spoke someone's name, you were imparting a blessing over them. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you said, you were speaking their purpose, their identity, and a blessing over them. So I was like, well, what does my name mean? Because I hate my name. <laughs> I loved it in Spanish. All my mm -hmm. friends and my family, Cristal, Cristalita, you know, mm -hmm. that's my name. But mm -hmm. then it was like, Crystal. I'm like, uy, que feo suena en inglés. <laughs> Me cae mal. And so much so mm -hmm. that in middle school, I went by my middle name, Margarita. Okay. All my friends were like, Margarita, Marge, Margie. Um, and my stepmom, her name is Mage, Margarita de Leon. Okay. So we both are Margaritas, okay. which is super awesome. I love it. That was ordained by God. <laughs> see, he's all, see, he already knows what he's doing before the foundations of the earth. Mm. That's what the Bible says. We, we think we know what's going on. God has a plan. He's so awesome. Yeah. Well, so then um, I started on this journey of, discovering what does my name mean and how can I find that identity question and tie it to my name, right? Mm -hmm. And so Cristal means luz brillante. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm a luz brillante. And I accepted it. I'm a, yeah. I'm a brilliant light. That's my mm -hmm. That is my personality. Mm -hmm. I shine for him. I shine where I go when I can. And I do my best to let my personality really do shine. Mm -hmm. Cristal. And it does. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes don't ask my kids, though. They'll tell you otherwise. They're like, luz negra. <laughs> negra brillante. Right? When I'm mad. A Mexican girl. Se me suben los apellidos. So, <laughs> de leon. Um, so, in that discovery, I started to wonder, well, de leon, what does de leon mean? Okay, it means of the lion. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does that mean? So, I just started putting that together and started discovering the qualities and tying it all in into Luz Brillante, Leona. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. But it's not just me. It's you. If you have overcome anything in life, if you have had a struggle, if you have dealt with insecurities, if you have dealt with pain, mm -hmm. if you have ever had to cry out to God and he showed up, then you're also a Leona. You're a lioness. Why? Because in the Bible, God is characterized as two animals, the lion and the lamb. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if we are daughters of the king of kings, the lion, then we're lionesses. Mm -hmm. Somos leonas. Yeah. And there's a lot more, girl. We could talk for hours, but there's <laughs> history that mm -hmm. I found out. Um with De Leon, mm -hmm. um, in Jewish ancient wisdom, there's something some of you may or may not have heard because of Britney Spears and other people um, in Hollywood, they practice Kabbalah. Mm -mm, Kabbalah. So Kabbalah is Jewish mysticism. And the Zohar is a book that basically is an add-on to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is the Jewish Torah, the Jewish Bible. Okay. And it's a complement to it, but it basically has secrets and divinities and things of that sort. And the person that wrote that book has said to be Moshe de Leon. Moshe is Hebrew for Moses, Moises. Mm -hmm. And it is said that Moshe de Leon is a direct descendant of the tribe of Judah. Oh, wow. 
So I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> All this stuff is connecting. And I'm yeah. like, pero como? <laughs> it's like, no way. And then I find out through some Jewish colleagues that Moshe de Leon was a... Um, Created, wrote the Sohar. There's there's controversies because this happened in 15, 1492, 14, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> um, things like that. But in Spain, there was a lot of Jews that were crypto Jews in Portugal, North Portugal and in Spain. And these crypto Jews were being persecuted for being Jews, right? Okay. Therefore, they go into hiding. They assimilate. They take on Catholicism. They take on these roles. And a lot of them migrate and come and they become conquistadores and they come to Mexico. Okay. Empezaron a, a ¿cómo se dice? Fund, fundamentar, to fund, to, how do you say it in Spanish? A fundar. Fundar, right? I fundamentar, so. fundar. I think fundar. My mom would correct me know. right now. Piano. <laughs> found. They founded these um, states. Mm -hmm. So I learned, this is literally like within the last two years, that... Spain has a state called Leon. Okay. And so you come here and they, they brought Nuevo Leon. Okay. Boom. Mic drop. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I know dicen que los de Monterrey somos bien codos. Pues, ¿de dónde viene eso? No, I'm kidding. From the Jews. The Jews. Exactly. So I start this like crazy journey mm -hmm. of discovering our ancestors And, and a colleague of mine who's a hardcore Jew, he was like, you guys are more Jewish than you believe. You don't even know it. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, there's, there's a whole study going on right now of crypto-Judaism in Central and South America and in Mexico. Que los apellidos que se terminan con EZ, that have an animal, Becerra, Garza, Garcia, Gonzalez, Cantu, all these last names have crypto-Jew ancestry. Okay. So I'm just like, this is wild. Like, what is going on yeah. here? The way everything is starting to connect. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really, it's really um, fascinating when we start to peel those layers back. Yeah. And you start to see the ancestors and the ancient mm -hmm. tricklings. That's of really cool. How it's coming through yeah. today in, in our culture. And there's mm -hmm. something, there's a phenomenon actually happening where people are converting back to Judaism. In Mexico, like crazy. Really? Yes, absolutely. Oh. So I started doing all this research and I started connecting the dots and I'm like, somos leonas. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it is. So that's becoming a lioness. And um, a spoiler alert for your listeners. Mm -hmm. um, I tie it by saying that I haven't become a lioness. It's the becoming. Mm. It's that constant journey. Yeah. We're always, I'm not who I'm going to be in 50 years, who I am today. No lo voy a hacer. Yeah. I'm still becoming. Yeah. I'm still finding. Yeah. We're all still becoming lionesses. I don't have the answers of how to get there, mm -hmm. but I know the one who does. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Did I answer your question? You did. Yeah. <laughs> It left me thinking with the whole Jewish thing, because my grandpa used to always say he was Jewish. His last name's Armendariz. Oh! Ya ves? Um, yeah. Easy. And now I always get told I'm Koda. But, you know, now we know where he comes from. <laughs> Girl, no. smart business. It comes from good smart business principles. They, yeah. they are, they are um, who was I having this conversation with today? 
So I'm, I'm also, um, I created a seminar, financial seminar. Mm-hmm. Not about like from the wealth side of exactly where to put your money and how to put it, but the principles of building wealth. Okay. Because I started researching um, that, that mm-hmm. the Jewish population, and this, depending on where we are today or how many people are being born right now in massive countries, mm-hmm. um, pretty much they account in this day around the 2%, 1.9%, 2% mm-hmm. of the world population. Excuse me. And um, we can look at it and say, okay, 1.9% of the population, big deal. So what? Jewish. Everybody knows a Jew. Everybody knows that Jews live in a specific part of town, but they're known for being what? Uber wealthy. Mm-hmm. Top of their class. Scientist. The best of the best or the worst of the worst. If, if my friend told me, he's like, if you're, gonna, if you're a Jew and you're going to be a, a serial killer, you're going to be the best serial killer <laughs> there is. If you're going to be a pedophile, you're going to be the best pedophile there is. Oh, say a Harvey Weinstein. If you're going to be a banker, you're going to be the best banker there is. Like, they do everything with excellence. But here's why that matters. Because they own more than half the world's wealth. But they're 1.9% of the population. Oh, say that's basically saying all of Cuba, Cuba, just put it into perspective, or Puerto Rico, owning Half the world's wealth. Por qué? Why is it? Why? Good question. Mm. Come to my seminar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will be there. (laughs) Um, No, but I'm literally, because of that question, why? I started interviewing rabbis. I started interviewing friends that are Jews. I started um, reading um, Craig Hill's material. I started literally doing deep research. Mm -hmm. Por qué? ¿Por qué son los más poderosos del mundo? ¿Qué están haciendo ellos que no estamos haciendo nosotros? Yeah. I have lots of answers. Yeah. But I can't tell you because we'll be talking for five hours. Okay. <laughs> Are we on time? I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, yeah. you know, fun and everything. Okay. But, but yeah. you know, we're going into deep topics here. Yeah. And this is why I love doing podcasts. Right? Because you get to, like, really talk about, like, all these, like, deep subjects that you can't on other platforms yeah exactly yeah. and when i talk um like i have friends that will talk i'm like stop save it for the podcast <laughs> we should be putting this on the podcast right yeah, yeah, yeah so i hope that um i answered your question on on yeah, lioness yeah, yeah um but really it's it's for me it's a movement to mm-hmm. help to help empower others whether you're a lion and you're a man or you're a lioness yeah, i love it i really i really believe it's not me i'm not the lioness you're the lioness you're the lioness. Yeah. And it makes me so happy to see people like living out their purposes and helping others. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add? I love that question. <laughs> I think y'all are, I think we're good. Our listeners yeah. are like, what else? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Other than the last thing I would like to add is um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't think that coaching is therapy. And if you need therapy, get it. Mental health is super important. Yes, I feel like, especially Hispanics, feel like if someone tells you to go to therapy, they're like, oh, I'm not crazy. It's like, that's not not. what it means. It's not that. (laughs) It's not that. But also coaching, life coaching, if you need help with career coaching, navigating the corporate jungles of life, like, oh, I've got this drama, it's politics, it's this, it's that. My subordinate, I have my one, one of the girls I coaches, 
she has one-on-ones with her boss. She's new at her job, and it's super, super stressful. Mm-hmm. And I walk her through how to, when she says this, what do I say? How do I say it? Should I say this? But I need this, and how do I say it without getting in trouble? What if they fire me? Mm-hmm. All those things. I help with that. That just kind of naturally started happening. But I want to encourage everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage them. Find a coach. Everybody needs a coach. Michael Jordan has a coach. Yeah. Christina Aguilera has a vocal coach. Mm-hmm. The best of the best have mentors and have coaches. Yeah. You cannot reach the top by being mediocre. Mm-hmm. You cannot reach the top by making excuses mm-hmm. and seeing yourself as a crutch or a victim. You mm-hmm. have to come out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You have to push through, yeah. put that lioness face on, get up, fight. Mm-hmm. Fight. Don't be mediocre. Step into your calling. Step into that dream. Don't just sit there and wait for things to happen. No, pues que mañana. <laughs> Make it happen today. Yeah. You're not even living tomorrow. You're living now. Yeah. Do it now. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. The best of the best comes when we are living outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. So I found challenge. Yeah. Challenge yourself like you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're so you're challenging someone, yourself. Yeah. So if someone wanted to hire you, how would they reach you? Great question. Um, so I have a website. It's um, www.theresource. The, T-H-E-R-E is A-R-I, source.com. And um, I'm on Instagram. What's your Instagram? I'm going to warn you. <laughs> it's my dogs and my kids and my vislas and... It's, you know, it's not me doing makeup or anything like that. Um, but it's my personal. It's Crystal Lioness. And then the Ari Source as well. Um, but I have um, an office number if anybody wants. I give free discovery calls. I will always, if anybody really wants to know if coaching is for them or if we're a right fit, if I'm a right fit, mm-hmm. they can have a free co- a discovery call. Usually it's 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll book an hour with them. Mm-hmm. No strings attached. I even offer free lunch and learns for for businesses. If they want me to come in and discuss a topic and just do a free lunch and learn, you feed your people, I'll come in and do a seminar for free. That's awesome. Absolutely. Because it's giving back. Va- it's literally giving value back to people. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you my office number. Um, they can call. It's 281-305-3788. <laughs> yeah. And as I'm open to have anybody call me there, text me, message me. Okay. Reach out. That's awesome. And they can call you too. Because you know how to get a hold of me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't call me. No, just kidding. (laughs) Text me. (laughs) Send me a text. Send me a text. Yeah. So thank you for this. Thank you for the opportunity to come and chit-chat and spend time with you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. My sister, Lioness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank Thank you for letting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Like I said, I love those stories where you're like, because I feel like a lot of people victim mentality oh but you know i come from this and i went through that so that means i can't do anything no and it's like no because you went through that Mm -hmm. despite going through that yeah you can yeah yes you did go through that and because of that that's where your strength comes from you can keep going yeah and i want to keep sharing stories like this so people can see like you know what maybe i can you can yeah you need help call me yeah (laughs) you need help i'll pray for you too i love to pray (laughs) good but I do drop a little bad word every now and then. I cuss and pray. It's a, it's it's literally a shirt I'm making. <laughs> Don't take my ideas. No. Like that Brad Paisley song. What does he say? Something like she said, "What cross 
she's a cross on Sunday and a cuss word because it's Monday. <laughs> Something like that. You know, I am from Monterrey. Well, close to Monterrey. So, somos regios. It's part of it. I'm working on it. I'm doing better. Um, But, yeah, we all fall short. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Thank you so much, Brianda. Thank you.